props for the original rounds. Tainted, exposed wings, their hearts perched of school. Super Train episode 146. Hello everyone. I'm your main host Dan. How are y'all? How you doing? I hope you're you're well. Welcome to this episode of a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover the short-lived shows. Never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train. In this episode, we are starting off with Amanda and myself discussing Lucan episode five. Technically, I guess season one, episode five. That's Amanda Reyes and myself. And then after that, I will be discussing by myself episode five of Gemini Man. And then Tim S. Turner will be joining us one final time to discuss Video Game All-Stars Episode 3. And I don't mean that I'm firing him after this. There are only three episodes of the show. So we're wrapping up another very short-lived show on this one. But the, the journey with Luke Cam and Sam Casey, Abby, and Leonard continue. So let me play a little bit of the Lucan theme, or a Lucan theme. I think this is actually the theme from the TV movie. i got to get you the... Uh, theme from the uh the actual show itself which has um john randolph talking in it um but then you don't need to know the premise behind luke can you got it right so let me um let me play you a little bit of some sort of music that in some way relates to luke Ann, as far as you know and then amanda and i are on the other side once i describe the plot let's do it <laughs> Lucan episode 5, One Punch Wolfson. Written by Tony Caden, directed by Sutton Rowley. This one aired on January 16th, 1978. In this one, we are in Detroit. And through a sort of circumstances, Lucan ends up having to box. He becomes One Punch Wolfson. He is boxing to pay off, and again, it's a little complicated, pay off detectives' fees. They found a detective who might be able to find his parents who might be in Australia. But the mob gets mixed up in it, and some crooked cops get mixed up in it. And it all comes down to, will One Punch Wolfson throw the fight? The big fight. The championship fight that he doesn't actually care about. But hey, you know, it's fun anyway. So this is the boxing episode of Lucan. And Amanda and I are on the other side of this noise that I'm about to make. One Punch Wolfson, episode 5 of Lucan. We're in January of 1978 still. And I am here with, you know it, Amanda Reyes. The A stands for awesome. The R stands for Reyes. <laughs> Amanda Reyes. I should have done that in a different way, but I just, you know what I mean. Amanda, how are I'm you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. I'm ready to, um, I'm ready to go to Detroit. Are you? Is and... anybody ever ready to go to Detroit? Well, I'm as ready as I can. Maybe be. so. I'm as, yeah. re- and, and, but I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the warm, loving hands of Lucan. Wow. And Doctor Holguin. So, and Spider. And yes, I like Spider quite a bit. 
Yeah. So so what do you what let, let's dive right in. What do you um what do you think of One Punch Wolfson? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because in my memory of watching the show the first go around, this was my least favorite episode. And I have reasons for that that probably still hold in terms of why it was my least favorite. But I'm if there's if this turns out to be my least favorite episode in this second go around, then we're doing really good because I really enjoyed it this time. I think this is a really good episode. I love Stan Shaw. I love him. Talk about being held in like the warm hands. I feel like if Stan Shaw could just come to my house and look at me with those big, beautiful, dark eyes just for 10 minutes a day. I probably feel a little bit better about the world. He's just, he's stunning to look at and he's a great actor. And, um, and it, this was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed this go around. This was, this was, um, obviously Rocky was, was the big film. Of yeah. The previous yeah. Year and was still much beloved and people were, uh, this, this was that, this was one of those weird Stallone, that Stallone periods where he would make, he'd make Rocky absolutely huge absolutely huge i mean unless well i was going to say you had to be there no you don't have to be there you can look it up you can see how huge it was but it was huge and then he'd make a couple other films i forget which ones he made in this period like nighthawks mm, yeah maybe i i, I forget um victory uh, and, and the, yeah victory i think victory was between two and three mm, okay don't quote me on that because i think victory was an early age yeah i think it was but i, I was i thought you were thinking this of like is around obscure, here somewhere like Stop or my mom will shoot. I'm kidding. Um, that was later in the 80s. Oh, what's the one where he's the um, over the top? Where he's arm wrestling. Over the top was, was, um, was, yeah, over the top I think was after four. Yes, um, I think so. And he, he would come out, so he'd make like Nighthawks and something. And I think this was around the time too. No, Staying Alive was, he directed that. That was after yeah. too, I think. But but he would he would make a couple of movies. People really wouldn't go see him, so he'd have to make another Rocky. And then he make a, and people wouldn't really go see it, and he make a rock, and da, 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 da. So we're we're in that sort of space now where everyone's like Rocky two, Rocky two, Rocky two, and he's trying not to make it. Uh, but at the same time, TV shows are are doing boxing episodes, and the the great thing about the storyline for this one is that Gemini Man. In a couple episodes, I'll be talking about the Gemini Man boxing episode, mm. which is about a championship type boxer whose dad is kidnapped by mobsters, so he'll throw the fight, and our hero has to find the dad. And, of course, there's a Police Squad episode where Frank Drebin becomes the manager of a boxer <laughs> and some mobsters some kidnap his wife. And he has to go find... And so this was, this, was like, this was the way you did the plot line for this sort of thing. You introduce, immediately introduced the mobsters. You uh, immediately introduced the, the... Oh, they're going to kidnap Dr. Hoagland. And and then and then you get a sequence where the our hero gets the crap kicked out of him, or or the champ gets the crap kicked out of him before the hero or whoever brings the person in, and they see the person who's been kidnapped, and it's like suddenly I can fight again, and they win. And so this is this is that's a very because that never happens in the Rocky films, everyone. If you go to the Rocky films looking for the mob to kidnap Adrian, it doesn't happen. That's unfortunate. Um, but but that's sort of a thing they did, I guess, with TV variations of it and of course the wonderful ricky one which was a rocky parody that came out in the oh, i don't remember that which actually wasn't that great but it's okay um but uh oh i'm just watching luke can beating the crap out of some guys in that alley. oh yeah he that's a great fight i do scene. i love that scene where he chases them down yes 
It's great. And I, I recognize that alleyway. They've used that alleyway and things before. So, so that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think they shot this in L.A.? Because the, when they go to the hotel that Hoagland's staying in, it's called like the Detroit Hotel or something like that. Detroit. And it looks just like a sign, right, that somebody made at a print shop earlier that day. And, We're and going, yeah. it, so, so I was like, is this actually – because it looks kind of I, inner city, but it also can't be, right? It's L.A., am I right? I, I would say it's downtown yeah. L.A. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, – uh, Adult books. I'm just looking at, at it going by right now. I, I guess we could. There was a. They passed a thing called the Hotel Rosin, R O S S Y N. I bet we could look that up. And see Ooh, what, what was the name was. of the hotel in Basket Case? Wasn't it like the Hotel Broslin? Oh, it could have been. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Jeez, I have weird. To, but that's New York. That was grab, definitely New York. Yeah. I'll have to grab my VHS Laserdisc DVD or one of my two Blu-rays. <laughs> I know. I have, it, I have multiple copies. <laughs> yeah. I had this really great copy of Basket Case that was in one of those. Um, not a clamshell or anything. It was a regular VHS box, but it closed on both ends instead of having the bottom cut out. And oh, it was in those. like this purple kind of box. And uh, I had this friend, and he lived in a hotel, much like the Hotel Broslin in Los Angeles. He lived very under the radar. He didn't want – he cashed out his checks like at a convenience store. And he, has, he didn't have a bank account or anything like that. But he had a VCR that he picked up, and I gave him that copy of Basket Case because mm-hmm. – I knew he would love the movie, and I had already had it on like two other VHS releases at that point before <laughs> DVD and everything, and um and I gave it to him. And in a way, I'm sad because oh. I love that box, but I'm happy that I went to somebody who probably appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe saw saw himself. Maybe you know, <laughs> saw a little bit of Kevin Van Hinterick, Yes. <laughs> I I have a. I have a Night of the Demon, the Bigfoot movie from VC2, and one of those um, oh, closes cool. on both sides. I love it because it's like your your tape is just so – it's snuggled. Yes. It's snuggled in Yeah, there, it seems so know? rare to find one of those. The bottoms are always like missing. Yeah. And, and I remember when I got it, I just – I think that's the only one I've really ever owned that's quite – I might have one or two now, but I only yeah. have a memory of that one now. But, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I don't know how that ties into Lucan, in but there you go. <laughs> The hotels. I was. Yes. I was looking at that hotel. I think we could. I. I think it's it because that 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 alley there in. I recognize that alley. I, I had a look. There's an episode of the live action Tick from 2001, the one with Patrick Warburton mm-hmm. in it, um, where there there's an episode with a character called the Immortal, and they have to steal his body from a hotel room, and Arthur is waiting in an alley for Tick to leap down from the hotel wow. window and they're in that that's the alleyway where they have the great discussion of everything dies even horses what a great and, memory uh, you, you have you, to even do that. that that's actually been a show I've been meaning to cover on here for a while so, so like every year I'll watch it and think I should there's this movie and uh, it's got two different names Inside Amy and then the other one I think is Swingers Massacre Swingers Massacre yeah, yeah and it's yeah, really yeah. good but they go to a club called Filthy McNasties and yes. and I thought that that was just made up and and there's an episode of Quincy where he's walking and he yeah. walks by Filthy McNasties yeah I couldn't believe I it I think you see that too in in, in Stunt Rock the opening, the one of the opening scenes where Grant Page and his his cousin, who's in the sorcery band, they're walking through L.A. and you see a lot of shots of like marquees and they go to Man's Chinese. You see filthy. Oh, so cool! There. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so this is Detroit via downtown L.A., which which let's be honest, uh, is a place you want to be in probably. You know, even less than maybe downtown Detroit, circa 1978. I don't know that for certain. Yeah, I don't know much about downtown LA, but they really captured it. It does have a very like back east inner city quality it to it. 
It does have, and whenever I think of, this is 1978, so the year Kentucky Fried Movie came out, and in A Fistful of Yen, when the evil guy is is torturing, um, uh, like, um, enemy agents, uh, one of them, he, he's going to kill him, and then he doesn't kill him, and he says, instead, take him to Detroit. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, I don't want to go to Detroit. And, um... But uh, yeah, overall, did you say why, whether? Yeah, you did say you liked the episode. I do. Okay. Yeah, I, I I like the episode too. I think it's a, it's a good, it's it's um it it may it it moves very quickly, which is nice. It has a lot. Yes, going it does. On. There are a lot of characters. Some of, I mean, there might be one too many characters. I mean, because we have the crooked boxing coach, and then we have the crooked cop. And then we have the crooked detective played by James Karen, who never gets out. No, he was there for like, they gave him like $2,000 and he gave them 12 hours. <laughs> that, that, that reminds me of like, if you watch like David Ted Pryor films oh, from yeah, the yeah. 80s, their action movies, there's always someone in it. Um, I think Joe Spinell, and near the end of his, like the last film Joe Spinell was in, he does a scene in one of their, a couple scenes in one of their films, and he's basically just sitting behind a desk yelling. And so I think there's a Rob City Limits. Robbie Benson is in that, and he's just behind a desk the whole time. So this is very much like that. James Karen doesn't get up from behind his desk. Some scenes it doesn't look like he's awake. <laughs> if if you've seen him in Return of the Living Dead when he's leaping around with Tom Matthews there, they're going crazy because of all the shit that coming that's coming back to life. This is the exact opposite. Yeah, he's very subdued in this, but it's great to see him in anything. It is. It's always nice to see James Karen in something. Yeah, and um, and it's um. And it, it's funny because the um, the sort of the the scheme they have is maybe a little too over elaborate, but at the end, as with all the stuff in the previous episode that I I didn't really complain. I just said, I just I think maybe it's overwritten just a little bit. They they could have done it much easier. They just could have had a mob guy and a coach. They didn't have to bring in the entire police force. I guess they did to get Prentice uh, in jail. Oh, to get Prentice. Yeah, yeah, I think to like get rid of the bounty hunter for a while. And that ends up being really great because, like, yeah. he comes and for his bullshit, all the bullshit detecting he does, he he sucks at this one because he shows up at the police station yes. and he tell and he who happens to be the bad cop, but he's also the guy yes. that deals with extradition papers. Like he's also a hitman. Yeah, he, he, he's got he's got a lot of jobs. Yeah. This guy. And so Prentice goes to see him, and he's like, okay, well, let me make a phone call, and then we'll go get lunch. And and Prentice is like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll eat with you, new cop friend. And and then he goes back to his hotel, and there's cocaine in his suitcase. And then, But what's so great about that is Luke Han comes to see him, and he says something like, now you know what it's like to be, be behind bars. Yes. And Prentice is yeah. like, I will help you if you call me. I have a friend here that works for the State Department or something. And, and so at the end of the episode, Luke Han finally makes the call because he's not able to do it at the time that he tr- he tries to, and the cop's like, I'm on to you, and blah, blah, blah. So he, he at the end of the episode, to make things right, he calls the guy, and he says, yeah, this guy Prentice is in jail, and whatever and he and then you don't hear the other end but then you hear luke and say you can't do it till the morning good yes yeah and then he gets in his station wagon <laughs> and they drive oh, away the family oh, truckster Hogan, Hogan, they station, Hogan station wagon and yeah but i love i love that kind of sub story it's mm-hmm. fun yeah yeah the uh yeah and it's it's interesting the way they do it too because they don't they kind of 
it's almost like when they when they put Prentice away, it's almost like we know everyone knows they're going to do this, so they don't screw around. So it's like Prentice is standing there in one room, looking through glass, watching this guy have a phone conversation, which is basically, yeah, I got this guy named Prentice. He's after Lucan. Let's stash some cocaine in his bag, and he's basically saying it large as life. And you're thinking Prentice can't read lips. I mean, I can tell something shady's going on. There's other cops walking around. Are they not listening? Yeah, exactly. is, and it, aren't you aren't you wondering? Doesn't he have a phone? Why I would he have to go? Too, when he left uh, the office, why Prentice didn't question that? Yeah, because I for a second I thought he was sort of going to, but they do it so quickly where you see the phone call and then immediately they're in his room and a cop pulls. I some I think cocaine out I of think there. we're learning that if you stick food in front of Prentice's face, he's mm. just going to forget everything. Lunchtime. Man, I made a new friend. And I, free <laughs> I lunch. made a friend. Man, that's his, that's his downfall. You know, if they if they made up like little little um, you know, c- playing cards for yeah. the cast of Lucan, his weakness would be free lunch with new. Do friends. you think he was like, oh my god, and he's a cop, and we could talk about cop things, and then I could call him on Saturday when he's off after a stakeout, yeah. and I can hear barbecue. we could barbecue, we could talk about cop things. Maybe he'll take me on the stakeout. I'd be real quiet. You wouldn't know I was there. <laughs> You wouldn't know I was there. We go shopping for his clothes because he's a plainclothes detective, and we could talk about his stakeouts. Yeah, it's 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 a weird episode where the the boxing plot is so more or less like oh this this one, but there's so many lovely lovely extra bits and things and and the way that like I said the way I mean this is directed by Sutton Raleigh, so maybe he had a hand in the way they get Prentice in prison so quickly. It happened, you know, just the way they edited yeah. it, you know, you, you think it would take a little bit, there'd be more of a, so yeah, so let's go to lunch and where's your bag? I hope it's back at your hotel. I'm not saying anything. You yeah. know, you don't get any of that. You just get immediately, boom, 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 he's in prison. And you, you, you and that that's perfect because he's there, but he's not there. And and then that immediately, I think right around, right after they, they put him away, I think you get that great scene where the guys are eating ribs. A lot of food in this one. And, and yeah, they're they're eating ribs, and I love it because they're really going for it. You know, like sometimes when they something that drives me nuts is when people sit down in front of food and they don't eat any of it. You know, if it, uh, we're sitting down to breakfast, they have their conversation and they don't eat, and then they leave, and it's like eat your breakfast. Yeah, Someone they do that a lot on good. soaps where they'll have a drink and then they won't have the drink, and I'm like, I can tell you that that probably cost you like eighteen dollars. Have yes, that drink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're in Genoa City and you're you're having a drink, that's that's pricey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the um, but but there, there's I, I love it here because they just dive right into the ribs and their fingers are covered with the sauce and they're just they're going for it. They got rib, you know, the sauce around their their mouth and everything, and they're just really go dirty napkins. I just love they they go for it, and I really I really like that scene. It's it's a really nice nicely done scene. And and we we're the whole time we're behind the counter, so we're like. We could be the point of view of the person who runs the place, just watching these two guys have a have a conversation. We could be. Maybe. We could be watching them eat ribs and get food all over <laughs> themselves. Wow. Uh, so so we got ribs. We got James Karen behind a desk. <laughs> we have uh, a lot of fighting. We have we have a, a scene where um, I you know it's funny. I thought like this is this is the time of jiggle TV, right? I mean this yeah, there's be, not a lot of jiggling going you, on in this. This would not be jiggling, but there's certainly guys uh, up there punching, sweating, 
guys getting in showers. That shower oh. scene, I thought for a second, I'm going to see Bud. That was I love the way they shot that because they go into the shower and and they continue taking off their clothes, but but they're being shot from like the torso up, you know, and yeah. but you can tell that they're taking off their clothes. And I don't know that I've ever seen that. In TV, like, you'll see people taking showers in, like, locker rooms together, but, like, I've never seen them fully, like, mimicking undressing before. Yes. And I thought that that was so interesting um, and a, a nice touch, you know, because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, there's some sense of realism there to what they're doing. And they're really – and, like, they're in there and they just got their shorts on. And I think, like, one of them has – his shorts are down a little bit so you can see the yeah, top of his underpants. Yeah, I remember that. And I thought that's more underpants than we saw throughout the entirety of the 1950s on television. There you go. It's getting racy. It's and, getting racy. And, and they go up to the showers and they grab the side of their shorts and they begin to pull them down. Then we cut to the, you know, chest up. Yeah, shots. yeah. It was just really well done so because it, it, would, like, it felt like they completely undressed. And so, you yeah. know, I'm in that fantasy world. Where, no, I'm just kidding. Exactly. I, I, but I, think it was I thought, I wonder what Amanda thought of this scene. <laughs> well, I will tell you, Kevin Brophy is a very handsome guy, but like as a boxer, it's funny because he's so, he's not like a buff guy no, at all. That's no. why I was wondering if he was a dancer or something. Cause he's got kind of like his physique is leaner than that, you know? Yeah. But like when they, when he first does that boxing match with that uh, dark haired guy, that's really that crazy. Hair, guy, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, get up, get up. And it's like, that dude is buff. And Stanshaw yes. is buff. Like those guys yes, are big. Yes. Yeah. He's, I guess that's why he's one punch, right? Because if he, if they, well, that, but then that guy beats the crap out of him during well, the, there, there's, I, I will say there. Oh, well, he has that flashback. And I think that's important because he remember, of yeah. course, like wig on that kid, the little Lucan. <laughs> is really bad yes. but like but maybe that's why he got beat up because they kept putting a bad maybe wig that's on why him. yeah and so but but dr hoagland is like enforcing this idea that you don't want to get into physical altercations with people and lucan and that one of the things i like about this episode is that you can tell he's really struggling with that because even though yeah. it's a sport and like the whole idea is like you're sort of consensually getting into a fight with somebody instead of just flinging at somebody or somebody flinging at you and he's really struggling with like these kind of ethics that he's learned throughout his life and and that's a i thought that was a really nice touch that he keeps kind of flashing back to this of uh, what hoagland has tried to teach him yeah I, I like the concept too that yeah you you fight when at the point where when if you don't fight you're dead uh like when the hitman comes to the house yes. in the previous episode so to kill him if he hadn't fought if he had paused for one moment he'd be dead so he comes out raging with the wolf eyes knocking the guy downstairs knocking over you know questionably fashioned sofas and things <laughs> and um questionably upholstered i guess sofas and things uh, but here yeah there's really a feeling like i guess like the he does the one punch because it's sort of like that's the quickest way to yeah. do it you know i don't i don't really have to think about it. i just one punch it's yeah, over and then, and then i have to think about the moral obligations of that you know and in a way that makes me think of Chuck Norris, because, you know, Chuck Norris, and I'd have to watch all of his movies to say that this actually happens, but he was very specific, supposedly, about when he does fight scenes in movies that that the fighting is the only option, like you said, with the hitman. Like, he uh -huh. has to exhaust other options before he goes to being physical. And I think that you're right, that Lucan is kind of adopting that idea as well. Like, mm -hmm. it's got to be a last resort for it to be effective for me to think even think about it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. And, and and part of the and I didn't actually look to see like based off of that like when, um, when he's he they tell Spider that he uh, Lucan has to throw the fight, and he says Lucan wouldn't do that. I thought wouldn't he? 
Yeah, I thought I, mean, I think I thought he that doesn't too. care. He, he doesn't care, and he's there for the money. So if they were to say, "Hey, man, we're going to give you, you know, ten thousand in nineteen seventy eight cash." Which is what, like yeah. seven million today or something? Uh, you know, ten thousand in nineteen seventy-eight cash to throw the fight. He'd be like, "Wait a minute!" So I just have to not fight, and you'll give me more money. Yeah, than but I, I need. guess because it was like for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and so I want to briefly, because yeah. I don't know if I'll remember at the end, but uh, you know, I said that this was in my memory the least, my least favorite episode, and that was because um, I'll tell you why it was, and I'll tell you what I learned watching it again. But like. Um, I didn't like this one as much the first time because all the other episodes is about family building and where he comes uh-huh. and he kind of like creates these new families. And I guess to a degree he does this with Spider, but but it's more it didn't have that element that the previous episodes no. have had. And, and I remember feeling like it was lacking. But when I watched it again this time, it wasn't so much about I don't know how to word this so it sounds not goofy, but like the, it wasn't so much about building the family as it was about Spider rebuilding himself. And yes. and I and so this go around it was very poignant for me because you're talking about like we find out that he had been doing all this stuff and even his wife was like you know look at this house we have it's it's really not that great and mm-hmm. hey we have a fridge and whatever but you have, and a stove yeah, you have, we get a stove you have no self respect and you lost that when you started selling yourself out to these people and and then at the end they do this great camera shot where Lucan leaves and they've got just Stan Shaw's character is in the ring. And um, mm-hmm. and it's this god yes. cam, like it's this overhead camera shot, and he's just all of a sudden he's like that boxer he used to be, like all he's really agile and he's like throwing punches in the air, and yes. and you see that like he's reclaimed himself because of Luke Cannon. So I was like, wow, so they're not really doing the family building thing to the degree that I'm used to, but they're actually mm-hmm. hitting on something really poignant here. So it is staying in theme with the show in a in a weird yeah. way, you know. Yeah, and he said, what what is his line? Something about like. Uh... Um, I I didn't go for the gold. I went for green. The green. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's like a lot of really like poignant moments happening in this episode too. It's just going about it in in a different way than the other episodes had. And and they do they do kind of I, I do like a moment uh, during the shower. There's a very exciting moment. No, uh, <laughs> during the shower during the shower there is that great moment where Lucan just basically says, "I was raised by wolves." Oh, that's right. And Spider looks at him and just keeps watching. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I know what it's like to grow up in the city or whatever. Like, he's like, I had family like that or something like that. It was really funny. Mm. So, uh, uh, let's see, what what else? Uh, I I had I had something. Uh, let's see, Doctor Hogan gets kidnapped. I do want to talk it's... about one thing. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, oh, no. d- did you notice that when they're boxing at the end, that there's nobody in the stands? I noticed and that, And then yeah. they cut to, that was and tricky. then they cut to an audience. That was so mm-hmm. surreal, and I was wondering if that was like on purpose, in that, like, because Sutton Rowley directed this, and we 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 dissected the uh-huh. Lost Boy episode, which he did this really phenomenal camera work in. We, I think, I was trying to approach it from like, what would what would Sutton Rowley be thinking about how he shot this, and maybe he was just thinking yeah. we can't have that many people, we don't have the budget or the time or whatever. So just yeah, do it. or was he thinking? Okay, so we're capturing it from, let's say, Lucan's point of view. From like when I'm fighting, there's nothing but the voice of Stan Shaw no, and yeah. me here with this guy. And I don't know if you had that, thoughts about that. that. Yeah, I did notice that too. And and my first thought, my first thought was, um, uh, it was interesting. My because my first thought was, oh gosh, you you can see that there's not really a crowd there. And then my second thought was, yeah, I don't actually care 
I, I, I think I think what what's going on here is is sort of um, uh, dramatic enough mm. and interesting enough that what well, what my first thought was I, I do wonder if like I'm watching this on a big TV on a DVD I'm wondering if yeah. like when people saw it at home would they have been uh, would would they have seen it they wouldn't have seen it as right. clearly obviously yeah. but I feel like they they would have maybe noticed it. Because it, it's, it's quite noticeable at certain points. You're like, there's nobody. Yeah, because they've got these cameras flashing. And so that's why I wondered if it was intentional because when the people are covering the sports events, you just see these really – just a glimmer of bright light, and you can see that there's nobody in the stands. I I, I would I, – I actually – I did have the thought that, you know, I, I, I do – I did wonder if he was doing that on purpose just to say um, uh, maybe, maybe like the crowd is – you know, like in, like in Rocky – the Rocky movies, the crowd is such a huge part of it. Um, so you need to have the crowd. You need to see the crowd. You need to know that the crowd is around them. But this is not about the right. crowd at all. Um, and so to to during those fighting moments when he's having the crap pummeled out of him. For, I mean, that's like, like, like that happens to Rocky at the end of several of the Rocky movies where he just gets the crap pummeled out of him for a minute. And like in Rocky 3, like Mr. T punches him for like three minutes straight. And you're like, how is he still standing? Well, he's Rocky. But you see it happening to Luke and you're like, how is he still standing? I'm a little worried about Yeah, Luke. I wish he they did that markings under his eyes, got really purple and yes. oh it's such good like makeup. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just I, I think I, I think when I saw it I thought I don't I think the fact that you could sort of really tell that there's no audience there, to me, I I think because we've seen the director like the way he edited the Prentice thing to just cut out the middleman and just say, okay, he's in prison now. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter. How, how the I, I think it didn't matter. I, I would, and, and this is maybe putting words in his mind, but I don't think it really mattered. To yeah, him you might be right. That yeah. You couldn't see the You need to cut away to the audience at points because it's a boxing match. That's what you do. I mean, I mean, you could like Raging Bullet maybe and just put it right, completely right there. So it's like you're so focused yeah. on the boxers that there's nothing else. But that isn't quite what this is meant to be because we're also cutting between Spider trying to get Hoagland out. And you notice the way he gets Hoagland out. It's almost like Apprentice kind of thing. Oh, yeah. We don't even up. know what happens to the two guys that are holding Hoagland hostage. We, we, yeah. He, it's, it's, and, and there's a weird thing with the time there where it's like the – it's. It seemed to me the first time I watched, and it seemed the second time I watched it too, that 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 maybe Spider was leaving too late to be. Yeah, helpful. I wondered that too. Be, 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 but but the way it sort of cuts it, it doesn't really matter. It's like it's almost like how did Superman capture Lex Luthor at the end of Superman the movie? It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, when Superman wants to capture Luthor, the Kryptonite's gone. He he gets him. You know, in this, Spider walks in, says, how's he doing? He's doing okay. And then it cuts to Lucan fighting, and then suddenly Hoagland's free. And it's like, what? Did we miss? So so in that sort of, I think he's playing with sort of like time mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I think when we're seeing no crowd there, I think he, it didn't it didn't matter to him. I, I, I would, and again, I could put words in his mind, but uh, I, I don't think it mattered to him. I think it was the focus was the fight. And when you cut to the audience, it's cutting to the bad guys. Yeah. To, to show their responses. And I think, I think it, the, the fact that I watched it, I saw it and it didn't bother me. Um, I think means it, it worked, whatever he was doing. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it bothered me either. I just noticed it. And then I wondered, because I feel like yeah. I, I'm wanting to really deep dive into Sutton Raleigh's work because these, uh -huh. these two episodes that we've seen of his have been really interesting the way they're done. And I'm like, Ooh, I think I want to watch more of his stuff and learn about him. Yeah. See, See if this was a thing he he did because I because normally there there will there will be 
points during boxing movies, cheat boxing movies, boxing episodes of TV, where that will happen. Where you'll occasionally see like a glimpse and go, oh, there's no one over there. But this is more like, hey, there's no one over here. Who cares? Yeah. Because it's not about the crowd. It's about Lucan. It's about getting Dr. Hoagland in here. You know, when Dr. Hoagland arrives, which I, I like the way Dr. Hoagland arrives the first time. It's not quite slow-mo, but like walking up the steps into yeah. the light. Not quite slow-mo, but maybe they said, walk like you're in slow-mo. That's but a, we're not going to shoot a just in slow-mo. Thing. Yes, exactly. So just walking like this. But you know what? But yeah, should, I, I wish that when he got down to the ring, he should have been like, "Rip his head off, Lucan!" After all of <laughs> that, God, all that Gandhi, God. whatever, whatever he was doing, you know, beforehand, he should have just like totally yes. turned him into an animal. So yeah, so so it it is interesting. The the uh, I I you know I almost I don't I don't know if I wrote that down. Uh, no, I didn't write that. I wrote down Detroit Hotel, and afterwards they're going to the Detroit Bar and Grill. <laughs> Just so you know where you are. Except I think that <laughs> I think that Prentice was staying in a place that was called like the Palomino or something. Oh, it had yeah. totally and... the Pontiac, the Pontiac. And um, and they, there was no reference to Detroit in that, which shook me hard because I was like, so far there's like <laughs> so I many thought... references. Where, yeah, like, did he go? Because when you see him at the beginning and he's watching TV, he's reading a, a, a newspaper from Toledo. Oh, that's right. So you're like, is is he still in Toledo? Does he think he's in Detroit? Has he gone? Has he Prentice gone crazy? has gone mad. Is from spending all that time with Dennis oh. Hopper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what else in this one. The the the, crowd, the fighting the. The whole, oh, oh! I do like whenever they they and this this was just me when they cut to the bad guys the first time during the final fight. There's a woman, oh, I lo- very I, animated I thought woman. about her too. And and the first time I saw her, I thought, oh, it's Linda Hamilton's sister. <laughs> but then the more I saw her, it was weird. The less she looked like Linda Hamilton. You. It was. You weird. had a time like watching time, this one, didn't you? Yeah, like the, I I I wrote here. Oh my God, it's Linda Hamilton's sister. And then um, less like L.H. <laughs> it's like the the more it goes on, the less she looks like Lena. And I thought, that's so weird. <laughs> that's so weird. I don't think that was a Sutton Rowley thing, though. That no, was that was just, just your weird brain. Second AD. Yeah. Kind yeah, maybe of that was an aneurysm. Um, possibly. Yeah. I, I am feeling a little yeah. faint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so what else? So we got uh, – so, so I, yeah, I, 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 I think you got – why this episode does feel different um, because it's it, it really at the end it's sort of about because you know that Lucan's going to get out you know that Hoagland's not going to die in you know flames or something like that so it really is about Spider sort of gradually um, overcoming yeah his loss of self-respect and in the end hopefully I mean I'd like to think that if this show had gone on for ages in season three or four he would have passed back through Detroit and he would have seen Spider, and Spider would have been like the local champ, like Rocky. He would have had his well, own no, Rocky ring, wasn't the like local training nothing. place. Yeah. And... Yeah. Yes, he would have had his own... Yeah, like maybe he, he couldn't get back on the fighting circuit per se because he was blacklisted or something. But but he's he's there, and he's got, he's training young men. He's training Rocky, you know, and he's there, and he's feeling good about it. Well, he was himself, great with the kids. Know, and... and speaking of really great yes, camera exactly, shots, yeah. when those kids come out in the skateboards, and that one kid is skating, and he picks him up, and the skateboard kind of goes off camera. Flies oh, off so screen, cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, that was yeah. nice. And I, I am so glad that at the end he says to the kid, go get your skateboard. Yeah. Because I thought his skateboard flew out in traffic. <laughs> so I, I'm imagining the skateboard, like, is right there. 
yeah. right off screen. Like it's not like in the middle of the road. But he's, <laughs> he's like, Go get he's you. such a great character, Spider. You really yeah. come to fall for yeah. him. And I think my only regret is that we don't spend as much time with his wife because you talk about how like something really cuts yes. out a lot of the middleman. She's in it. But like at the beginning when he says you could stay with me and my old lady, they don't actually introduce Luke into her. And I wondered if there uh-huh. was other footage of that. Like if they actually shot a scene where yes. she meets him and they just have like a you know, back and forth for a couple minutes or a minute and then he goes to bed or whatever. But like you don't and I was like, yeah. is his wife gonna even show up? And I looked it up yeah, and yeah. this is her only on screen credit, the actress. Yeah. Really? I, I like her. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and when she first shows up, my first thought was, "Who? Who?" It took me a moment to, "Oh, that spider's gal." Yeah. Okay, I because I, it's it's like she just kind of appears, and then she's got another scene a little later on. It's like it like I, I guess if if that was sort of like Sutton Raleigh, maybe maybe the episode ran really long. Maybe yeah. And and he had to go on. Okay, okay. Now what what things can we assume? And in the good way, not making an ass out of it. Maybe you want to be made an ass out of. Why is it always bad? Some days you want to be made so. an ass out of. He couldn't right? cut any so, of the James Karen stuff because that was gold. Ex- exactly. <laughs> he he was like, Karen won't let you cut his scenes. But he's asleep in half of this scene. He won't let you yeah. cut the scene. You can hear him snoring. Cut it out. Cut out the snoring. Leave in the acting. It's Karen. <laughs> James Karen. Uh, but but yeah, I'm wondering if if it. I, I'd like to think it was Sutton Raleigh sitting there going, "Okay, they've seen this before. What can we do to, you know, I'm not saying we're gonna like breathless, we're gonna Godard it or something, but what can we do to um, cut out some of the middleman, um, yeah, uh, story stuff that people know, like when they see his wife or his gal, um, we we're gonna know that we're we're probably gonna catch that relationship really quick. Yeah. She knows what he did. She loves him, so she's sticking with him. But she's not happy, and she's going to remind him that he did yeah, that. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious, to... like when you say that, like I wonder too. If there's a scene between Prentice and the cop, and the and where they're eating, and and mm. Prentice gets an idea that the guy's a shady because yeah. he's so good at detecting that stuff. So I'm curious if there's a now that there's scenes. Because it does, it does seem weird, yeah, that he doesn't, and and just like just like a moment where maybe he realizes something's wrong, and he needs to go back to his hotel yeah. room, and he gets up and says, you know what, I'm sorry, um, I I can't finish this, I gotta head back to my hotel room. Actually, could I get this in a doggy bag? I'll just be here for one more minute. Do you want to keep talking about cop stuff? Because I think I should yeah. leave. And then he gets his doggy bag and he goes. Although you don't see a doggy bag in the scene. When no, he it was very quick though maybe too. He, like, yeah. Maybe he ate the food on the way to the hotel. You were supposed to be my new cop friend. Come on, new cop friend. <laughs> Why are you like this? I got disappointed. And maybe in the next episode, <laughs> if, if Lucan meets him, he'll be like, Prentice, why are you so down? Having trouble? You you a little bothered the fact that you can't catch me? No, I made a new cop friend that he's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm having a hard time sure. making really good friends. Yeah, and then... And then, uh, and then, if we're we're talking about like bits that seem a little quicker than normal, even the ending where they sort of go back into the stadium there, and suddenly there are oh, cops everywhere that. and they're arrested. Quick, right? It's it's done it's done so quickly that it's literally one of those things. Like if you turned away for thirty seconds, you know, you'd be like, "What just happened?" Yeah. And, and you do wonder, like, that's not the gym. Why are they going yeah. back into yeah. that stadium? And then you just hear, this, "I hope this works." <laughs> and 
I the, the I, I will be honest. The thing I thought that it's a very long shot of them walking down the steps into the darkness, and the thing I was looking at was the layout of the steps. Yeah. Did you notice? I'm that? not sure. Because there's like there's like on the left side it's like a big like rectangle of steps, and then uh, on the right side there's like a diagonal. Hmm. And then in and and so you get steps along this the stuff on the left. You get diagonal steps on the right, but then there's a diagonal group of like a triangle of seating in between those those uh, paths. And the triangle of seating, of course, means at the top you got like six seats, but at the bottom you only have one or two. And I thought, is that like a prize seat to sit like at the bottom of the triangle? Or is it too busy? Are there too many people walking by? Yeah, I went to a movie once and I found this seat that was all by itself. But it was right by where all the foot traffic was. And it oh. ended up not being the best because I hate sitting next to people. You know, and I go to the movies all the time and there could be like 300 empty rows and some jerk is going to sit right next to me. That's I have I have the rule in movie theaters that if I'm sitting in a row and there's no one else there and the the lights go dim and the the whatever the trailers or whatever begin, anyone who comes in and sits next to you at that point move. Yeah. There's a reason why they were late, and it might be a really oh, annoying yeah. reason. Get away yeah, from it. Yeah, it just it drives me nuts. And I hate when I go to the Alamo because I have assigned seating. And it's almost mm. inevitable that somebody is going to pick the two seats next to me, even though there's like six empty seats in that row. Yes. I don't know why they do that. Is it, is it they, they're afraid to be alone? In a I, don't, I, don't I don't know. It's weak. Maybe because I'm just in the center. Maybe it's just a desirable place to sit. Yeah. But like... It's it just drives me nuts. It drives it drives me nuts when I go use a bathroom that has like three hundred empty stalls and somebody always comes into the yes. stall next to mine. Right next to you. Why? Like it's like, dude, you don't have to be right there. We don't need to be. This I have close. a very shy bladder. I think I told yes, a story exactly. about Caroline Monroe. I couldn't even. How yes, am I exactly. supposed to pee yeah. in front of these people. Yes, exactly. And well, like whenever I, when I go to the the New Beverly, I always try to go to an off time screening. And I always I like to sit in the front row, right in the middle. That that's where I like because usually there will be people who sit in the front row if it gets really crowded. But generally, the yeah, kind of yeah, empty. I'm like that too. And I I've like seen, to sit where like I think nobody wants to be. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen I've seen pieces in that front row, Final Exam, Stunt Rock, The Apple, uh, Headless Eyes. I've seen so many great my movies. My eye, my eye. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, that triangle seat. I'm I'm wondering if that's like maybe that's just maybe they do that thing where they put the tape around it like it's reserved and they just leave maybe. it. Maybe. Like we thought we thought that would be fun. Like put the king of boxing would sit there as everyone goes by, <laughs> he waves at them. But it was just it's just too much because people they get drunk and they pass by and they clip you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you sit right, they get too close to you and they clip you in a way that they don't in the regular yeah. seats. I don't know. This has nothing to do with the episode. Although it is a lovely geometric layout for the shot because they're coming down the center of it. And then you get this block of seats on the left and this sort of diagonal triangle thing going on on the right. So it's kind of lovely. Yeah, maybe they're just trying to show off the architecture or the interior design or whatever you would call that. And you know as they're walking down, they're also thinking, don't trip over a cop. There's a cop like behind every like six seat don't try i hope God. this works out i hope i <laughs> and as they're walking down all of a sudden you hear oh you bless you <gasps> shoot damn it damn it you shouldn't have ah! Ah! steve steve <laughs> was in the country over the weekend he's allergic to ragweed we shouldn't have we shouldn't have brought steve you know we steve. should we should we should have brought steve but we needed an extra guy yes. we, we messed up we didn't want to leave 
we didn't want to leave that space clear because if they were quick enough, they could have gotten so, through So, so Hoagland, if you could get kidnapped again, if you we could, could probably set up another one of these. But we have you have to get kidnapped again. And and I will say the the room they the, the way they sort of kidnap him, where they just kind of put a the thing in his mouth and tie oh, yeah. his arms and kind of they they put him up on like an uncomfortable table or something. That kind of looks like oh we forgot to shoot that scene. <laughs> Okay, well, Colin, Colin John, tie him up, throw him on Okay, so two things I want to talk about Dr. Hoagland is, A, when uh, he meets the cop and stuff, I'm like, wow, John Randolph's huge because he's way bigger than these other yes, guys. But also I love yeah. when he meets Spider and he gives him, like, that hip handshake. And you're like, yes. okay, Hoagland, what's going on? You're super white this, and you're a professor. He's – He's try the, the last thing you want to hear when you're someone like Hoagland when you're leaving a place uh, where you're the whitest guy there is someone say honky. That's the last <laughs> thing you want. Except it's Hoagland and because, you know it comes from the heart, but it's like, but yes. it's like, wow, I can't believe he just did that like hip handshake thing. I don't even understand what what happened. He's really trying, and you know, Spider's going like, you don't have to. Yeah, do I think that. Spider was saying, that, yeah. That's, yeah, I don't. You're not. You're not required. You're not required. And when you think about it, when he shook Lucan's hand, there was no hip handshake. There was. No, it was just a regular like handshake. Um, yeah, friend, friendly yeah. handshake. Now there may have been barbecue sauce. Yeah, there involved. probably was, uh, but that's between friends, right? And that's between. That always stays yeah, between. Yeah, but friends. like, but like the that weird Hoagland handshake. I just was like, what? <laughs> what Hoagland? <laughs> I'm sure they wanted to. Change, I would love to know if that was a directorial thing or not, or maybe in the script. Maybe maybe Randolph would just like handshake. get in there, and did his improvisation. Maybe 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 that's the way he. Well, that's the way John shakes everyone's hand. And maybe it is. We don't know. He he's been doing that since the fifties. Yeah, <laughs> ever since he got blacklisted. The the blacklisted <laughs> handshake. I love John Randolph, by the way. I just I love him. Yeah, he's he's, he's great. so great. He's great. The more the more I I used to think of him when I was younger. I used to think of him as the guy that's not Carl Reiner. <laughs> but now I officially think of him sort of because he obviously he's um is he um uh he's the one of the in laws on Bob Newhart. I think of show. him as yes he is. I always think of he's him. Sonny. No, he's not Sonny. He's li- he's junior. He's I junior. think of him from the TV show Grand. Did you ever watch Grand? Uh, about the place where they, they made, I think they, and I'm doing this off memory, they make grand pianos. And I think he was like oh. the mayor of the town and has this really amazing cast. And when I was a kid, I, well, I wasn't a kid, I was a teenager. When I watched it, I don't think it made sense to me, but I was really compelled to watch it every week. And I think uh-huh. it's because it's probably a smart sitcom, but I didn't fully probably understand not. it. But there's an episode, if you ever cover it, I'm almost afraid to tell you, there's this really wicked dark episode that I never forgot. I've, I've never heard of Grand, and now all I want to do is watch Grand. Yeah, I, it's probably much better now than when, when I was a teenager, and I would like to revisit it myself. But anyway, I think he was the mayor of the town, and he, and I loved oh. him, and that was like the first thing I can remember thinking, who is that actor? You know, and uh-huh. I wanted to like see him and stuff. Oh, wow. Well, he's great in Lucan 2 and Grand, so look for Grand. Everybody look for Grand. And maybe Maybe in the future I'll I'll check uh check how long Grant ran to see if it falls. Grant I think it ran two seasons. Oh, I love Grant Rand's novels. Or season and some change, I, I think. Okay, all right. I love Grant Rand's novels. Uh, they're not for everyone, but she does beautiful work. The Fountainhead. No, that's um. <laughs> I'm gonna put a I'm put a laugh track right there. Um, 
so so what else do you have on this one? I think Stan um, Shaw's amazing, and, and he's welcome to come over to my house and look at me with those beautiful dark eyes anytime you want. He's he's great. He really yeah. is great. It's like when the two of them are fighting together. It's like this is pretty hungry. It's a, he's pretty. I follow him on Twitter, you know, and it's like oh, it's wow. like do I just slip him a come on? Do I slip into his DMs because he's he's beautiful? Uh, <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. Just just watch you and Lucan. Uh, do you still have those shorts? <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Please let me know. I'm a look at my. Uh, I was raised by wolves. Went for the green instead of the gold. Detroit hotel. Oh, that I have one note that I can't read. <laughs> Well, I do applaud Prentice must I mean like uh, I didn't look to see how far I guess I guess Toledo and Detroit aren't that far. I mean he's he's when he's watching the news station he watches that tells oh, I love him that. where Lucan yeah. is looks like it's just like a local yeah it doesn't look like something that would go all the way maybe he just took the Detroit paper not the Detroit the Toledo paper and was somewhere else closer to With Detroit him. he was he was catching yeah. up because he's in a hotel I mean, it like... so he could be anywhere yeah, he could be anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like, like the TV station, it looks like the guy's like a joke newscaster. They're like in Fernwood yeah. from Mary Harvey, Mary Harvey, or something like that. It look, but it, but it's like I, I suppose if he's a detective, he'd know where to tune in. And but but I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's just it's just kind of a plot specific news. Yeah, you're watching the plot specific news on Lucan. Let's see. We got the opening chase. That really nice fight scene in the alley. Uh, poor Lucan. I mean, he just he just can't wander into anything, right? I mean, he he this old drunk guy in the previous episode is going to help him find his parents. Turns out yeah. he's a you know but he's working I for the do cops. like I do like the consistency of the watch engraving. I know I guess that yes. that's going to end because I don't remember if he ever got the watch back when it got stolen or if it's sitting there as oh, evidence. True, yeah. But I like that in the last few episodes since he's acquired the watch, he's had it in some form, and even after he thought he found his parents, he kept it. Like he didn't get rid of it. And um, it's it's just a really interesting touch. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the seats right now, and there is one seat. It's number one. It's right at the bottom of that triangle. Wow. And there's another little pathway. Looks like it's cut through the middle of the seats on the left that I didn't notice before. This is an interesting layout. Boy, it must confuse people when they're really drunk at the end of a bunch of the end of a bunch of fights. I would see two. There are about forty seats too. Oh, there's all the guys climbing in the, the ring. Yeah. Now I feel like we're we're I'm doing sorry, a, that we're talking about how directors do commentaries and they just watch. The yeah, movie. yeah. <laughs> and I, I will I will say then I'm done is I do like that when the cop who yells the one with the glasses on who yells freeze to me oh. and the first thing I said was oh my gosh it's Huey Lewis from Back <laughs> yeah, it's to the like Future. It's like the nerdiest cop they could find. <laughs> And then the cop who grabs uh, the bad guy, the bad lieutenant, I thought, ooh, George Kennedy in a cameo. That would have been cool. So it's like everyone. Mountains can't read. Do you have anything else in this one? I think, I think yeah, I think that this ended being a better episode than I remembered. And like I said, if this ends up being the my least favorite episode of the series, then we're doing really good because this is a great episode. Yes. Yeah, and this was this was the last one I remember watching on Warner Archive Instant oh, before they so went down. Oh, this is all new territory for you. 
Yes. And in fact, I think I may have mentioned to you, like, when it happened, I was like, I was just watching Lucan. And I saw the boxing episode, and I think you said something like, oh, yeah, that's not yeah. a good one. And I was wrong, like and I'm happy that I'm wrong. Yeah, she was wrong. I she do know wrong. that there's one. So I'm, I only remember snippets of the show now. Like, there aren't specific episodes, like, where I could tell you the premise, like I could with the last mm-hmm. one we watched with Monty Markham and Diana Mulder, or the one with the wolf, when Leslie Nielsen, um, mm-hmm. which are both silver foxes, as far as I'm concerned. But, like, um, <laughs> Now I have memories of just scenes and a couple of actors. Like, I think Robert Reed's going to show up, which, oh, okay, let's just sit down for a minute. And that's going to be a good one. But, like, um, so I'm really looking forward to, like, going through these. And then when we get to the second season, that's all going to be a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, yeah, because I did not. Now now we end my memories of Lucan, which weren't that much. And mine are just beginning. So, yay! Uh, so I would ask, since we're done uh, this chat, um, this this episode will go up around April 20th or so, so I don't know if there's anything additional you can mm, add to what you no. said last time, but I will ask, Amanda, where can we find you online? What are you up to? I heard something about a chainsaw massacre. <laughs> you don't have to go to Texas to get a chainsaw massacre, but chainsaw. it helps. <laughs> and Yeah, but so uh, I did, my friend Bill Ackerman and I did a commentary for Second Sight's release of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think would be out now. And also, um, I'm in the documentary, The Legacy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is on the Second Sight release, but also on the Dark Sky release. So if anybody picked that up, because it, it predates the second side released by like a month or something. And it has some of the same extras and some different maybe. Um, then I'm in that documentary as well. I think that's the only thing that's been announced since we've last spoken that I can mention. Um, and uh, just look for me at Made for TV Mayhem on Instagram, uh, Made for TV Mayhem on Facebook. And I think I'm also on Twitter just under at Made for TV Mayhem. So I try to keep it as simple as possible. So one thing I've gotten right about my social media presence because you know when we do our regular podcast the made for tv mayhem show see i'll keep the same name but like i can never remember the email and then i just have to make up an email and then create the email so that we get people responding to us but anyway so um i think made for tv mayhem will be your key to if anybody cares enough to follow me Keto Magic. And did you mention your book? No, I, I wrote a book many years ago now called Are You in the House Alone? A TV Movie Compendium, 1964 to 1999. And I co-wrote it. You're in it and some other authors. I'm in it. I'm and, um, and that's available through Head Press and through Amazon and other fine establishments. Yay, Yay wonderful Thank book. Thank you. And uh, it, it is funny how the time passes. Like I was, um, I was talking to someone about my action film book the other day, and I was like, oh, that's five years ago and changed. Yeah. Five and a half years ago? I know wow. what you mean. Wow. Um. So uh, that's the end of this one, and the the next episode is, what is it? You can't have my baby. Ooh. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> um. Oh my. Oh my. Uh. So so let's look forward to that, everyone. And uh, Amanda, thank, thank you, you again, and I'll I'll see see you next time for a little bit of you can't have my baby. And uh, now we're going on to this. <laughs> Gemini Man, Episode 5, Run, Sam, Run. 
Originally aired October 28, 1976, directed by Charles Rondeau, written by Frank Telford. Uh, if you didn't know, the, the show used to air from 8 to 9 uh, p.m. Thursdays on NBC in the 76-77 season. I'll have more for you on that later. I never really looked up when, when exactly the show was on and stuff, but I did. And I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. So be cool, be cool. Uh, so I'm gonna, as always, I'm gonna read my review from uh, Polish American Guy Reviews Blogspot.com, uh, published August fourth, twenty fifteen, and then give you any extra from there. Just because, as I've said before, I think the reviews still hold up. So let's do it. If one knows the history of Gemini Man, a certain pallor can tarnish this episode. I will give the history at the end of the review. Feel free to skip to the end. But for now, let me just say, Run Sam Run is another very good slash excellent episode in the adventures of sam casey it's got action some humor a decent mystery at the start and a lovely deaf christian woman who gets involved in a rather crazy car chase plus of course a lot of sam casey and a decent amount of abby and leonard this time although the jerky side of leonard does come out a bit here sam wakes up in a seedy motel he doesn't remember how he got there and he doesn't know why he feels so terrible when he gets to intersect leonard has sam arrested for murdering willie henderson Henderson was thrown out of Intersect by Leonard, see previous reviews for Intersect personnel issues. Sam doesn't remember killing anyone, but they have video footage. Sam enters the hotel room and shoots this guy. Leonard seems a touch unreasonable here, and also a little forgetful about how quick Sam would turn invisible. Abby doesn't believe a word of it. Sam has to go on the run. Luckily, he meets Maggie, a really cute Christian woman who's willing to break a few laws to help him out. Ladies, wouldn't you do the same? And then there's a great screenshot of Sam in bed with his hand on his head. And it says, did I kill someone last night? Hobo Sam and the nice lady. Oh, yeah, Sam kind of goes hobo. Hang out with Lars Frank there. Uh, the episode opens with Sam in a deeply confused state. Things get worse from there. There are two very shady guys who rig some technological trickery to frame Sam. But Maggie's a real charmer. She has a mission that Sam wanders into. That's mission with a capital M. She conducts a band out on the sidewalk, all that good Christian stuff, and she's deaf. Which is a strange moment. The previous episode had a blind woman who didn't need to be blind. This episode has a deaf woman who didn't really need to be deaf, except for the fact that both of their handicaps actually saved Sam's hide by the end of the episode. So the handicaps make the characters more interesting, more nuanced, but they're also plot points. This doesn't happen again in the show, so it must have been a coincidence. I wonder if anyone noticed when it originally aired. One note, my DVD has a glitch in it, still has a glitch in it, so there's about five minutes in the middle that I'm unable to watch, which is too bad, but it adds a little more mystery because I have to infer some shenanigans. However, despite the glitch, I did get to watch The Car Chase, and it's fantastic. It's not one that has frenetic cam work and lightning editing. It's one of those where the camera sits as the stuntmen drive in a crazy fashion by the camera over and over again. I'm not sure where they are in Los Angeles exactly, but they tear down some streets and through a vacant lot. They smash up a fire hydrant and soak it another street. Bad guy car followed by Maggie driving with Sam followed by dopey cops. It's several minutes of very good action. You should see it. I'm running out of stuff to say about Gemini Man. This is another good-slash-great episode of the show. It's nicely paced, it's exciting, Sam is charming, and so forth. I may have said all that before, but it's true. From the pilot movie to this one, the show has been consistently entertaining. I wish there was more Abby. That wish will come true in the next episode. But I just don't have a lot of complaints. Apparently, however, the American public either had troubles with the show or just didn't care. This is the final episode of Gemini Man that aired on NBC. The remaining six episodes are only on the DVD set. Apparently the show also aired in France as the DVD is French. And apparently it aired in England because I have a 1977 Gemini Man annual from the UK. Plus there's a Gemini Man power record out there too. 
But in America, the series ends with a close-up of Sam playing the trombone. We've had a little over a month of Sam. That's how everyone saw Sam Casey last, unless they caught Riding with Death. But we're going to see more, and we're going to see the show take an odd turn. So stay tuned. And there's a great shot of the closed caption, the video footage of Sam in the hotel room walking towards the door, and it says, Hey, they're watching Gemini Man on Gemini Man. Yeah, I really like this episode. It's a lot of fun. It especially picks up when, when Sam meets um, Lorette Spang there as the... Uh, the um, Why am I forgetting her name now? Um, as the uh, as the um, nice Christian, deaf Christian lady. And there's some good spazzing around and running around. Like I said, that car chase is fantastic because it's one of those... It reminds me sort of the car chase in um, Blazing Magnum. What is it? Shadows in an Empty Room, which is just kind of like going... I think it's in Toronto, is it? Just like going up and down random, like half-deserted streets of Toronto, crashing into things. That's what kind of this this is. It's kind of somewhere deep, deep in the heart of L.A. And they're just going down like thin alleys and driving through. They drive through a a couple of times. They drive through like what is clearly just a vacant lot, you know, because they'll have these in L.A. I'm sure they have these where you live where you'll just be driving down a suburban street and then there'll be just a huge, there'll be a fenced off lot in between like two homes or two apartment buildings. It'll just be this huge long lot filled with like um, grass or weeds and things like that. Basically, they, they must have rented it for a day and just went crazy driving through it, which is cool to watch. And then they, they do bust a fire hydrant, which is spraying everywhere, which means that every time... Uh, the, the fire hydrant is in front of like a small convenience store, which is next to an alley that's, that is on, a, is on an inc- decline. Decline. Yeah, so, so whenever the people come down the little hill and they go past the fire hydrant into the street, the street's covered with water. So they do a couple of great spins in the street and stuff like that. It's really a fun, fun, um, fun chase. And then it all culminates with a mad rush into the main intersect control room with the help of the lip-reading deaf gal to help out, uh, to help Sam and save the day. And yes, Bernie is in this episode, Mr. Kaiser. You'll know him when you see him. And of course, as always, he plays, you know, kind of a, jerk did i ruin something i hope i didn't spoil something there but overall it's just it's a fun episode it does start off with a nice mystery where everyone seems to be he sam wakes up in that place and he's confused and it's a bit of a mess and he's there after him and he kills someone and he they show him footage that shows him apparently having killed someone you're like what's going on and then it becomes a merry chase and it, it kind of becomes charming where he 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 doesn't steal a few clothes but he kind of robs a few clothes while invisible, leaves a guy some, some money and, and winds up in this mission and beats up some jerks who are trying to beat up the nice deaf Christian lady. And overall, it's it's a fun episode. And, and you know, in the end, too, right after they prove that Sam's innocent, you get some fun... Um, uh, the gun got knocked out of my hand! <laughs> invisible stuff. Oh, my arm is shaking because an invisible guy has grabbed it! Stuff. That's, that's fun. And then, of course, like I said, it all ends with Sam in the sort of... Um, uh, uh, Christian band standing out in the street playing random hymns, bringing in the sheaves, or uh, bringing the yeah, right, right, um, with with the nice deaf Christian lady, and she um, and uh, Sam was playing the trombone. That's the last time we see him, so that's that's fun. And overall, it's a great episode. There are a lot of great shots out in location, like in downtown L.A. Maybe that's probably where they are, somewhere in downtown L.A. A lot of great locations. Fun episode. Leonard is very convinced that Sam did it, uh, which is a little unlike Sam, but 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 uh, Abby never believes. In the end, Sam uh, Leonard's okay. But then Leonard, as as I mentioned, you know, if you watch the five episodes here, what at least two of them have people who work for. Um, uh, intersect, you know, kind of turning. I mean, this one technically has another. 
those guys they hire are technically part of Intersect, who are going against Intersect. So, so you, you, that's got to be tricky for Leonard, right? Though, I mean, it's like, oh my God, every other guy we hire wants to take down the company, <laughs> rip us off in some way. Oh well. Yeah, weird. Not much more to say about this episode. Like I like I said in the review, this is this is a, this the TV movie taken with the first five episodes is really I think excellent seventies um, uh, sort of action adventure like this. I mean, I would even like I'm I'm a I'm a six million dollar man Bionic Woman fan. I've only become a fan in the past like five or six years, so it wasn't a show I grow grew up with. So I have no um I have no uh, uh, connections to it that way. It's not like a show I'm nostalgic about because I never watched it. I'm I'm more nostalgic about six million dollar man and Bionic Woman appearing in issues of Cracked magazine than anything else. So call this let's call this a very short segment. Um, Coming a very, uh, I think, darn good episode of the show. Like I said, I love that car chase. I love a car chase. I love a car chase. I know, again, this is, you know, oh, the drum solo of TV movies or whatever, you know, uh, Crow's remark during Riding with Death, but I, I disagree. I think a good car chase is excellent. A bad car chase is just kind of dull, but a good one, a well-done one, a one that, it, whether it's either shot in like a crazy fashion, sort of like French Connection, which is actually a mix of great stunt work and great camera work, or whether you have one like the, like this one where the camera work is, is, I'm not pedestrian, but just standard, and and it's the stunt work and the choice of locations and things that make it wonderful. But I just wanted to point out, so I'm looking at the schedule here, 76-77, this is Thursday night, Gemini Man, of course, goes off the air, and um, uh, there was a show on from 10 to 11 uh, when Gemini Man was on called Van Dyke and Company, which is a short-lived uh, Dick Van Dyke variety show, which now I need to see and cover on here. And apparently, according to the schedule I've got, when Gemini Man goes off the air, it's replaced by Van Dyke and Company, which lasts us... This, this is, what did I say? This is September or so? October. This is October. Is this September? I don't remember. This is... This is uh, October, and Dick, uh, Van Dyke and Company, I think, lasts us till the end of the year. I'm not sure what, what we do exactly in sort of... Um, January so, but in February we get the show The Fantastic Journey, which is another uh, short-lived uh, show, which oddly enough is also out on a um, I don't think it's a French disc, but but I but it is out on um, let's let's see if it if it listed here. No, it doesn't unfortunately. Yeah, there were ten episodes of Fantastic Journey, but yeah, so Gemini Man was replaced by Van Dyke and Company, which was moved from another time, and then that was replaced um, at the start of more or less the start of the New Year's '77 with the Fantastic Journey, which ran for like nine or ten episodes. So this was this is not a good time slot because on CBS you were up against the Waltons, and the Waltons, uh, Waltons I'm showing here, Waltons was the fifteenth top rated show of the season. It was let's see, it was in its. So two, so three, three, so four, so four, so five, so five, so six, so six, so seven, fifth season, tied with Little House on the Prairie in the ratings, and then over on NBC you had Welcome Back Cotter, which had even better ratings than the Waltons, um, at from eight to eight thirty. At the start of the season you had Barney Miller, and that was replaced by What's Happening. So I mean you have oh, and Barney Miller was bumped to nine p.m. Bumped ahead a half hour. Whoa, so so the so when Gemini Man was on it was Welcome Back Cotter, Barney Miller. It was up against. And then the Tony Randall show at 9 and the Nancy Walker show at 9.30. Wow. And then at the end of the season, it was Welcome Back, Cotter, What's Happening, Barney Miller, and Three's Company. Oh, very, very interesting. Okay. 
All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's just it's just sort of one of those times you get those time slots every once in a while that just stink up the joint no matter what you do. And then there was something on from 9 to 10 called NBC's bestsellers up against, as I said, like Barney Miller and Three's Company and up against uh, Hawaii Five O, which was still in the top 20. What is NBC's bestsellers? Television series is an anthology series consisting of miniseries, each one based on the best-selling story that's been written in the last 10 years. Oh, I didn't know that. Four miniseries were aired. Captain and the Kings. Oh, I recognize the name of that. Some some of those people were on um, uh, um, Thingy, on um, uh, where a couple of those people were on um, Battle of Network Stars. Yeah, it must have been on the first... Uh, this would, Yeah, because the first Battle of the Network Stars. This is October 28th. This episode aired 76. The first Battle of the Network Stars is like a month, month and a half. Wow. Cabs and the Kings, Once an Eagle, Seventh Avenue, and the Rhineman Exchange. Oh, interesting. What is that? Oh, Robert Ludlum. I'm sorry. I'm lost up in all the scheduling. You know me, folks. I can get lost in this forever here. So, yeah. So, that's Gemini Man. So, now Gemini Man has uh, gone off the air. But we still have six episodes left, so we're still, I mean, so technically you get you get the TV movie in 11 episodes, so 12 total, so we're technically, we're halfway through, everyone. Um, so now we're in this weird space where, I mean, there's got to be strange, right? I mean, it's one thing to have one episode or two, even three. I think we had one on here that was four, right? But to have six, to have more than half your output not actually air, that just seems strange to me but anyways i'm yakking and i gotta stop because tim s turner and i are on the other end of this and we are talking about beep boop beep you know what i mean here we go This segment of Eventually Super Train covering Video Game All-Stars Episode 3 brought to you by The Leather Connection. And here with a testimonial, their number one customer, Tim S. Turner. Tim? Oh, I had a great time with Leather Connection the other day. Uh, the Leather Connection. Go there and make love. No, it's uh, so we're on the final episode of Video Game All-Stars. This is uh, this is Video Game All-Stars number 3. As you said earlier, this is... Um, uh, cable show from uh, this episode is 84, 1984 uh, made in Colorado and this one like the first two has a the, the, the format of the first one was a very serious gentleman sort of interviewing people randomly looking at a few different games talking to a psychologist the format of the second one was a guy who seemed very like he was having a lot of fun even if the rest of us weren't talking to kids about video games, specific video games and having them play video games and talk about it. This one is um, features a different host, a gentleman, a comedian named Jeff Valdez. I I was not familiar with, with Jeff's work. Uh, I guess now I am having seen Video Game All-Stars number three. And it's, <laughs> it's Jeff Valdez and a guy named Mel and a puppet named Big Daddy Video. Oh dear. And they put on a competition at whichever one of the the 400 arcades that they had in the Colorado <laughs> Springs area. Um, and so so this one this one is a bit different because this is ostensibly isn't quite the right word. Well, no, it is kind of is the right word um, about a competition. I'm I'm going to give you I'm going to get I I have a movie that I'll compare the competition. Um, the way they present the competition in this, I have a I have a movie comparison, but I I will say first, Tim, how are you? 
Um, what did you think of the fun in this episode with Jeff and Mel and Big Daddy Video? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I like. I think you mentioned it in the first episode. It's like that they it, it, every episode felt like they were trying to find the format. Yes. Because each one's slightly different, and each one has a different host. I have to say, when they brought in Big Daddy video, I I, I lost it. <laughs> uh, it. It's this bizarre, like uh, you know, uh, low grade Muppet character, and and he's you know, how do I put this? He's very uh, jive turkey, whatever. I think that's probably a good way to put that. <laughs> in a way that makes me it's like, is this offensive or not? I don't know uh, if I if I should be laughing or not. It, it's and and he, you know, obviously they have him sitting in the pole position game because that way the puppeteer can be behind the chair. Yes, because it's like the enclosed space kind of. Yeah, and 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 you know, and he's like, yeah, damn, come on down, you know, we're gonna do this competition. This is hot. This is hot. Holy crap! Things are getting hot. Yeah, and and the competition. Okay, the competition makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's like how do they calculate? Because they're like, oh, Jeff got uh, five hundred points on Donkey Kong, so that gives him a thousand and some whatever on the board. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, none of it makes any sense mm. because like you're you're literally talking about it's kids playing different games. Yeah, and they and those games all have different points. Structures, yeah, especially the the we we mentioned this la uh, I mentioned this in the first one. Dragon's Lair is the first one they play, and Dragon's Lair, you do, the points mean nothing in in yeah. Dragon's Lair. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it you you are given random boards by the laser disc. The 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 machine itself picks random boards for you to do, and some of them score higher than others. So, yeah, yeah. So someone can play six boards and get five thousand. Someone else can play six boards and get forty thousand. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you're good at the game. It's just the boards. Yeah, I, I found that that aspect of it uh, to me was so odd. Um, and 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 then you know again we had that same thing that plagues the first two episodes, which is the the absolute uh, you know stream of consciousness editing style. Yes. Where there's at one point in the it's near the beginning they they cut between three different people like one guy doing a Groucho Marx impression. Oh yes, I think is isn't that Jeff Valdez and his? I various... don't know, but he's like strutting around. He's got the, yeah. like you know the, the 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 mustache and the cigar. He's like you know and 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 then some other guy who's doing like I don't know if he's trying to do uh like uh, you know um. Uh, Spencer Tracy, uh, you know, oh, from yeah, Inherit the yeah. Wind, mm -hmm. with with his lapels and uh, yeah. you know, and then something else, and then they cut to that damn Elmer Fudd <laughs> thing, and I'm like, what? What did I just watch? What was that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really, I mean, honestly, I think this show, you could sit there, you could show this to people, and they would be incredibly entertained because it's almost like. Um, it's like the Plan Nine of TV shows. It, it's just—it's so, it's so odd. It, it is. It is. It is odd. I mean, this. Um, and the thing is, they show this guy at the beginning, and then it's, it's like, and I thought, oh, that's Jeff Valdez. But Jeff Valdez has this huge, like, I don't know. I kept thinking Lou Graham, but I—I I don't know if I'm thinking the right person. But Jeff Valdez has this huge, curly, <laughs> long—not long, but like mullety—not not mullety either, because it's curly, but just this huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know if it's is it a wig? It must be gonna, right. I was gonna say it's like it's it's the host of the show, the lead singer of Boston. Yes, exactly. He's got kind you know? of you know when you look on the back of the, like a seventies album and like the bassist or drummer. Yes. Always oh, yes. has like, huge hair, not quite an afro, but just a huge hair. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm guessing my guess was that maybe it's a wig, and he's having fun, and he's just having fun. I, I, I get it. It it makes sense because I mean really he comes off like uh, uh, Steve Buscemi in that scene you know it's like uh, greetings fellow teens oh hello teens yeah <laughs> yes. you know I mean that's exactly what it felt like all those how how are we feeling uh, playing these games not having to deal with those parental hangups huh <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah and it's and it's funny because like the the first episode is a super serious host who looks like he's never laughed the second yeah. one has a serious ish host who looks like he makes himself laugh but isn't really <laughs> care about making anyone else laugh and this guy is just trying his darndest to be make everyone laugh and he's jumping around he leaps on top of a, a video game to get a kid's yeah. attention at one point he's just going crazy but it's it's um i can't say that i laughed no it, well he the thing is is funny is like he's you can tell like by this point in time in the show they're like okay you, you know to save the show we maybe we need to you know zhuzh it up a little bit by getting you know like a wackier host or something and so and he's you know we've got first of all yeah good lord we've got that horrible puppet and and then you've got this guy and and he you know is wearing one of those shirts where it's like it's a white t-shirt with the red sleeves yes and you know and it says something on it like crush or something you know <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means and then he goes he's trying to talk to this one kid and he's playing this video game and the kid isn't paying attention so he unplugs the game yes <laughs> he unplugs it and the kid just kind of turns around like yes yeah. <laughs> you know like it's just like clearly and, they set this up ahead of time yeah you know? it, it's, it's he's trying to do shtick yeah, exactly, you know. exactly. He's and and whenever he, it's very awkward when he talks to the kids, and it's almost like the moment he starts talking to them, you want him to stop. Almost <laughs> like eh, this is going. And there was like a great moment where he's he's talking to the kid who played Dragon's Lair, and then we see some screens from Dragon's Lair, some pretty crazy screens near the end of Dragon's Lair, like one where you're walking through like um uh. A uh, room like with a pool in the center of it, and all of a sudden the floor begins to collapse, and you leap yeah. in the and all kinds of crazy. And then the lizard guy is chasing you, which is nutty. And then, um, and then the next kid he talks to is playing Zevius. And I've actually yes. played. I have Zevius on one of my emulatory things, um, which actually has. You know what game is still fun after all these years? Pac Man and Ms. Pac Man, still super fun games. But my sure. fa my favorite game at this time is Mappy. You ever played? Oh, Mappy? I love Mappy. Yeah, Mappy's, yeah. Mappy, you're you're basically you're a. It's like you're you're on a board. It's like several floors of a house, sort of, and you are a mouse detective trying to stop cat burglars. Literally, yes, they're yes. cats. I love and, that game. I forgot about that. And yeah, and and it's a super fun game. And that's um, my high score is over two hundred thousand. By the way, it didn't take me twelve hours. It probably took a half hour, forty <laughs> minutes. Um, uh, but um. That one's and, the one. It's very similar in format to Bagman, I think. Sort of, yeah. And they're like, yeah. they're they're you you get like a series of floors, and then in between there's like a trampoline. Yes. And you hit for, a trampoline, for no reason. And you, could, you <laughs> yeah, and it's it's super it's super fun, and um, 
but Zevius is on there. And Zevius is fun too because you're you're flying along and you're um, uh, you're shooting things in front of you. Plus you're also dropping bombs on that. It's it's a fun game. And the graphics uh, are great. Yeah, yeah, and and but it's great because when he talks to the Zevius kid, he's like, "So tell me about Zevius." Well, you just kind of—it's like you're flying along and you shoot and stuff. What? What? You know? Can you explain it more? Not really. It's just, <laughs> a, it's just a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. it. You you expect like a couple of minutes of like this kid playing this game, and we get to see him play. You see like 20 seconds of the game, and that's it. The kid and and Jeff's like, okay, and he walks away. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's the dangers of not not really structuring ahead of time yes. what you're going to do. I mean, because he, he clearly he just get, he would grab a kid mm-hmm. and just go, hey, um, what's it like playing Zaxxon? Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Okay, and why is it cool? I don't know. <laughs> wow, this is going to make a really, really compelling viewing. And, it, and it's, it's weird, too, because it's like you see a little bit of Dragon's Lair. They play Dragon's Lair. Wait a minute. Dragon's Lair, Xevious, Pole Position, Congo Bongo, and Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. By the way, I forgot how much I loved Congo Bongo. Congo Bongo's a lot of fun. There are th- yeah. like three or four cool boards, and you're trying to get to the, the gorilla or whatever it is, and they're kind of, it's sort of a 3D variation. Yeah, it's kind done of, at a kind of an angle. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like chimps or something that are hitting you with coconuts and trying to throw yeah. you into a river. Yeah, and it's long, but the thing is, you barely see any of Congo Bongo. It's weird, like with Zevius. Yeah. It's like whoever it was who won Congo Bongo doesn't seem, and like pole position, they don't seem to care to show you the games. And it's like, well, show us a little more of it. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more of Congo Bongo. You know, but they they don't. It, it's. I'll I'll use my example for for. Um, so so they started off being it's going to be a competition. I think oh it'll be like Starcade. We're going to see these kids play, and, and we'll rack up some scores, and they'll be, it'll be exciting. Except that's not the, really the way it happens. <laughs> it's more like, have you ever seen Cannonball Run 2? Oh, God. <laughs> so Cannonball Run is about this race across the country, like Gumball Rally, like Cannonball. Sure. And, and Cannonball Run 2, Gumball Rally is a great film. Cannonball Run is fun. It's kind of dumb. But it's 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 got a bit of that smug Burt Reynolds Dom DeLuise thing where they're having more fun than we're having. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and so, but the thing about Cannonball Run Two, um, is that the actual race in Cannonball Run Two happens at the very end of the movie, and it's like on an animated. It's map. animated. Yes, they don't actually. They're so busy showing how much fun they're having and bringing Frank Sinatra on and having Jamie Farr act wacky and doing having Dean Martin and, and Sammy Davis do whatever. They're so, they're so enamored of what they're doing that they forget to have the race. Well, I, I have to ask myself, what what how in the hell did they get Frank Sinatra in that? Yeah, and even, even though it's kind of clear that he's – kind of not really quite in the same room with them, but still, like, you see Sinatra, and you're like, what? And that's like, okay, it's worth watching to see Sinatra. <laughs> but, yeah, but, it, 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 but it's went to, like, one of Sinatra's casinos. Yes. Set, it was, set the camera up, Frank, say some stuff. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Guys, yeah, uh, and we'll put this in Never going to win the cannonball. Thanks, Frank, we're done. Hey, <laughs> we're out of here. And it's this, um, 
it's and and the sort of the competition in this episode is kind of like that because they're so enamored of Jeff Valdez doing his thing and Big Daddy Video giving the scores that they don't show any of the competition. They just show the scores. And I think we spend more time watching Big Daddy Video read the scores than we see video games being played. Yeah, I'll tell I you. Didn't time uh, it. I'm looking at my notes, and and I, I literally wrote this: Big Daddy Video, my God. <laughs> as soon as they showed the character, I was like, okay, well they're clearly never going to play this again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, and and there, there's a scene like where two kids in the foreground are playing a video game and he's playing a video game behind them. Yes. And it's like the video game is right. And then suddenly he's playing their video game. And I'm yeah, thinking, it's like, this let me, is let me so take that weird. Over. Yeah, this, yeah. This so, and, but but it's, it's, it's so strange because like they're clearly enamored of this setup with this guy, Jeff Valdez, who I guess is a comedian of some sort. Yeah, he was a stand-up guy, I think. And, and Big Daddy Video, they're so enamored of this that they forget, they almost forget to, like, like, like I said, I think we spend more time watching Big Daddy Video read scores than we do seeing kids play video games, which is so weird to me because it's it's like him sitting there going, and uh, let's see, um, you know, uh, Lawrence got five thousand, so that means he gets a hundred, and uh, Mark got, and Marcy got, and Steve got, and of course the thing about it, as you're going through it too, is like, there's one gal in the five, and she loses every game horribly. Yes, and, yes, yes, and yes. she, and and there's an interesting interview where she's a twin, and her twin sister is there. Yes, and they're same talk, outfit. They're talking. And at the point when they're being interviewed, um, she's lost like three games in a row, big time. And it's like, so are you good at video games? And she's kind of like, well, I just wanted to play to see what I would win. Yes. And actually, she ends up winning like like a hundred tokens. Yeah, yeah. Or something. It's like, hey, that ain't bad for well, like <laughs> literally crapping out on every single game. You won a hundred tokens. I, I gotta tell you, my favorite, my favorite thing in the episode, it, it, with he's reading the leaderboard, and this is about like the midway point in the show, and he starts with who's in the lead, which normally you would probably go from the other direction, but whatever, uh-huh. uh, and and he gets to the last one, and it's Marcy, I think her name's yeah. Marcy, and he goes, yeah, and he goes, uh, and, and and you know, playing not very well, uh, Marcy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You know, I, you know. Don't worry, Marcy. I, 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 think there's time to win. You know, it, the way he says it is just like, oh, that loser, Marcy. And you're like, yeah. wow, that, that kid must have felt like crap. Yeah, <laughs> that was. She looked depressed when they were interviewing her. Like, oh, how are you doing this game? Oh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and, and. And and the thing about it too is like he's he he reads the scores and he goes so in depth into reading the scores and then they just keep showing like the board with the scores on it. So yeah, like, why not? And just... it's one of those little one of those weird uh, pin cushion boards where it's yes. little white plastic letters and numbers uh, mm. you know on it uh, that you remember from like the you know like going skating. to the, the YMCA or yeah, something. like the skate so, rink they would have it up like saying yeah. like yeah uh, and 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 it's it's weird because they I don't. I don't. 
I don't know. This is like the first show where I've left Dan speechless. I don't know. There's just something about it that's so odd. And there's this little kid who keeps showing up and talking to Big Daddy Video. And he, I want to say his name is Gabriel. I think so. And he shows up a few times to talk to Big Daddy Video. And um, it's... um. Do do we know who did this 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 song? You know, you and your clone. I don't think so. I don't remember. Do, seeing they it. must have said it in the credits, and I just didn't see it. But I mean, they, they once again for the third time we get yeah. the reprise of that song as we get you know Get random dull shots of people playing with joysticks <laughs> you know make of that what you will but i mean it's just like it's 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 this weird quasi devo quasi uh um oh uh you know what's well what's the name of that band uh you know mexican radio Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, back again, radio. Yeah, radio. It's kind of like yeah. that. You're just like, yo, I are clown. It's uh, like, you, what the, uh, what clown. the holy hell is, you know, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's such an odd melange of of stuff, yes. just kind of you know, mixed together. And well, okay, I fi- I, I figured out what it is. What it really is is it's a show for kids. But it's done by the, like the squarest guy they could find at the station, <laughs> you know, and and he's doing his damnedest to try and make this fun, mm-hmm. in his estimation, like you know, oh, the kiddies will love this one, yes, you know, and it's you're like, oh, oh dear, what yeah, what's, ha- this, what's this, happening? <laughs> yeah, it's it's, yeah, yeah, that's I'm just I'm just gonna. This oh you know what I got in my nose here's something I can I can mention they they're interviewing random people and they interview you mentioned the previous one the guy getting in his truck and they interview the lady with the kid who no we we prefer less passive entertainment for our son yes oh yes. so do you like video games no and it's really. like eh, I don't know does does your son does your son know where he is right now. Like when you're saying when you're chastising the video games, does, is your son cognizant of where he is right now? Because he doesn't look like the brightest uh, tool in the shed. Yeah, because um, I, I was going to say little little Gabriel there who looks smaller than your kid. He seems to be more on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what about I, I got to bring this up because this was my favorite part of the episode. What about the guy? Oh, I think I know this guy. You know, and, and it's like, so do you, do you play video games? No. Oh, really? Uh, why not? Because it's a communist plot. Yes, and everyone <laughs>, laughs. Everyone laughs, and then you realize that he's being serious. He's dead serious. You know, yeah, because I, I think it's a way to uh, make our kids' minds soft mm-hmm. in the war against communism or something. Yeah. Like, what the hell would you leave this in for? And then Jeff does have his clo- closest to a funny moment where he says, "Well, you know, I'm glad your psychologist is getting you that great medication." And we're going to go to whatever, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Holy cow. I mean, that was one of those moments. It's just like those that, that you can't, you can't plan. No. You know, I mean, cause it's just, it, it's so random. And the guy sort of looks uh, like he's going to say that, right? It's like, yeah, this, could go, this could go either way. He's either going to say, I love the game so much and I play 12 hours a day or not. These are the commies. Yeah, he's he's got this uh he's kind of like a middle-aged looking dude. He's kind of balding. He's got these glasses and he's holding he's holding on to something. I don't know yes. what it is. If he's holding on like really tight and he just looks mm-hmm. like 
you know, I've got to get back to my chart with all the yes. string leading from picture yes, to picture exactly. yes. about the, the conspiracy. <laughs> the, the, our leaders in Colorado have been taken over by the commies, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I'm going up into the mountains. I, I think uh, I, I do think that as for me, at least with these three episodes, this one, again, I think the highlights are the local commercials. Mm. There's one that's like a Twilight Zone parody that's actually oh, yes. pretty clever. Yeah, that was you pretty know, good. Yeah. They did it in black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the family who are really bored and then suddenly they discover video games. Right. And then they discover. Ooh, that would have a little, little extra know. verve to it that, that the other yeah. ones, the leather connection. Yeah, they just don't have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's 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 uh, there's that one, and there's one other one I'm having a hard time remembering. But uh, you know, I mean, the whole series is you know uh, you know sponsored by wood paneling, wood paneling <laughs> yeah. the official wallpaper of your uncle's <laughs> creepy basement. You know, yes, yeah. Uh, the the whole thing, everything is just it it screams early 80s in, yes. in a way that is just hysterical because it, it, when people think of the 80s what do they think of they always when they do like you know going back in time kind of mm-hmm. things it's always oh bright colors mm-hmm. uh the big hair big hair yeah and you know like Here wacky see- uh, clothes and stuff but no it actually was like carrying over from the 70s the wood yes. paneling and mm-hmm. everybody really was dowdy in the way they yeah. dressed Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't until like the mid '80s till stuff really started kicking in with the with yeah. all the weird stuff. You know, yeah, like Marcy and her sister. I thought your hair will get better. Yeah, they they both Just hold got on. that kind of you know hold- uh, Dorothy Hamill. Yes, you know haircut, and uh, they're both wearing those um, uh, kind of Holly Hobby uh, shirts with yes. the poofy poofy uh, shoulders and collar. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's also, that, I mean, I, it's it's Colorado. That's true. That's true. So it's – forget about it. It's Colorado. Yeah. All right. So um, I, I'm trying to – I think we've kind of covered everything in here. I mean, I like, like I like I mentioned before, I was more of a home video game player just because then mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. play and I didn't have people looking over my shoulder. So we had our Atari system, and we, we loved it. We, I had an aunt who had a ColecoVision. Oh, a ColecoVision. That's that's like the rare one because usually kids were either Atari, Nintendo, or in television. Yes, yeah. And my I had my aunt Mary had um, ColecoVision. She had about seven or eight games, and we used to play them. Those were lots of fun. Well, the thing was great with ColecoVision was is they 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 actually had you know games that they you know were licensed in the arcade. Yes. Uh, that were the the ones they owned, mm-hmm. and um. The graphics were superior to, you know, yeah. say Atari or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always thought that um, the controls were kind of weird. They're odd control. That little dial thing. Yeah, the little disc. They're not, not comfortable to sort of sort of hold, yeah. No, I, I think yeah. we all got used to the, the joystick. Yeah, and those were the those those you were know, always kind of just straight up the best to, to play with, I think. Um, yeah. The only other thing I can think of that was different – would be uh you know like centipede with the ball oh sure yeah the you know, we had to ball, roll the track, track ball. ball yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um and those were actually that was actually kind of i thought more they required more skill with the track yeah. ball because you kind of had to learn how to control the ball yeah uh you know because it's all over the place but mm-hmm. um yeah uh, 
So that's uh, that's that's the end of Video Game All Stars. They just did the three episodes, each one slightly different, in search of a you know a video game show in search of a format. And I don't know. I guess I would have watched the fourth one if Jeff and Big Daddy Video had returned. <laughs> I, I would like to see each episode like a a, a, a new puppet. Like every oh, time yeah. that would like take mm-hmm. over, you know, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I just thought that would be kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I did like, you know, I liked all the home video, uh, video game stuff, but I, I, yeah. I liked, I think, I think I liked the thrill of going out to, yeah. and, to and mm-hmm. playing the, uh, you know, the different games. I mean, I even, I was so into that that I even, uh, subscribed to, uh, a video game magazine. Oh, which one? Yeah, a Joystick. Oh, nice. And Joystick was different than like, – there was because there was several other I, I, the, uh, the, magazines the one, out there. Yeah, the one I got uh, used to get – or I got several issues of was Electronic Games. Right. That one – and that one was it came off almost more like a, uh, like a scholarly look. Slightly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, almost like, you know, like uh, popular photography or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joystick – was exactly what I wanted, which was it was lots and lots of pictures mm-hmm. of you know the different games screens, uh, and and they you know gave you like cheat codes and oh wow okay That's yeah cool. and they would yeah. tell you like the story behind the games and uh-huh. uh, and that to me was really interesting and I have a couple of them still oh wow. Yeah, That's I've cool. actually got the one oh. with Robotron on the cover. Oh, nice! Yeah, Sweet. like a giant picture of the robot, and um, and they're they're really fun, and you can actually find them online. The magazines, mm. if you oh, look I up scans or yeah, yeah, Joystick magazine. There's I forget mm-hmm. there's one site, and they scanned each issue. Oh, I gotta check those out. So you can flip through the pages and read them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're and they're a lot of fun, you know. But I mean, much like the arcade game boom, it was short lived. Mm-hmm. I think there was like six issues. Oh, um, yeah, I think yeah, Electronic Games I believe ran for like three and a half years. I think. Yeah, so yeah, was, yeah. Mm, yeah, and I, I remember that they, they used to have like they would have like those those great ads for games that mm-hmm. looked like that. You'd look at them and go. <laughs> Oh my God! This looks like the best game in the world. This is so amazing. And then you'd see the Atari game, and there'd be like two little things on the screen, two, and little, two little squares, <laughs> and you'd be like, "Oh my God!" You know, I'm seeing knights in shining armor, and you know, and and oh, that's the game. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. The, the the box art, no matter how great the the graphics were, the box art inevitably disappointed you. Yeah, uh, it sets you up for disappointment because <laughs> you know, like, it's so it, crazy. Yeah. If you remember, there was a game, and it, uh, that was, um, I'm trying to remember if, if it was put out by Konami or Activision, and it was for the Atari 2600, mm-hmm. and it was a King Tut uh, kind of game. It was, mm-hmm. it may even have been called Tutankhamen, but it wasn't the same as the arcade one. Okay. It, yeah. it was you going through the desert. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You're scrolling sure. through a desert, and you mm-hmm. you have to unlock this pyramid or something, and uh, in the game, first of all, it just it was the graphics were terrible. I mean, sure. it was you know it was just a white screen because that's sand <laughs> with a little po- tree, the occasional cactus or something. Yeah, and it, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. There would be an asp, mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. you know like some what you consider or a mummy or or, or mm-hmm. something. That would come up, and the thing was, it's like you get to the end, and, and this was one of those rare games that, like, you could solve it pretty fast. Okay. 
because it was it was literally you know one of those that had a a uh, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the ending was you get to the pyramid and you had to unlock the pyramid to get to the gold or whatever. Oh, the thing that drove me nuts is like I'd get to the pyramid and I'd be banging up against it. I'm like, well, you know, you're pushing the buttons, you're, you're click, nothing's happening. And it made me furious. And I, I did this for like a month until one day I realized, oh, at the start, you can go backwards from oh. the start. And the key is literally like about five seconds of scrolling beyond the beginning. And I'm like, you sons of bitches who put this together. Are you kidding me? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. And if you ever go, if you look that game up, like the, the, the video is that game. like Riddle of the Sphinx or something? Or... Yes. That's it. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And if you mm-hmm. look at the, the, the cover, it looks amazing. Amazing, yeah. And it's terrible. Yeah. It, it is well, just terrible. <laughs> It's 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 like I remember when we got the Raiders of the Lost Ark game. Yeah. And that that was like the first game I encountered where there were like hidden things you could do. Like you go in a tomb and you leave a grenade by a wall, you leave the room, you come back in and the walls exploded and you can go through the and it's like how would I know to do that? <laughs> That's not the this isn't like yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. the way games you know like like 10 years later, 15 years later, playing Super Mario World with my sisters, and that's the way games work then, but they didn't work that way in like 83, 84. You didn't, you didn't know to, there weren't tricks. What you saw in front of you was what you did. Yeah, it wasn't like later Nintendo where it's like, okay, if you, if you press, uh, you know, A twice and it left and whatever, then all of a sudden you, you know, oh, now you're, uh, invincible for 20 seconds or whatever. Yes. You know, and, and everybody remembers the, the incredibly terrible Friday the 13th, the video game. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is one of the hardest games you will ever play in your life. Because you literally get into it for like a minute and you're dead. No matter what you do, Jason's going to get you. Uh, and, and you can't do anything. There's no way to fight Jason because in the movies there's no way to fight Jason. Yes. So I guess in reality that probably is one of the more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. You're inevitably going to be decapitated by Jason yeah. at some point. Yeah, it's it's um the thing with the Raiders game, and that and then we'll uh we'll we'll uh we'll start to wrap up uh, video game all stars. I I, I want to play to uh, watch it again so I can see Big Daddy video some more. But um the thing with Raiders <laughs> is that if you go if you go online you on YouTube you could see people playing the game from beginning to end and just watching all like the you know like oh well you're on the Mesa field and you go to the fourth Mesa three levels down on the right and that has this and you're like how did you how did you know that? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 seventy-five percent of the things they do is not something like you, you. How would you have known to do that? Yeah, you would have literally had to be one of those people who just plays it for days on end, and, and you know, just, you get to that point where you're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of wander the screen now and just see, yeah, what happens. And Random, it's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh... So that's why, like, you know, my, my, fav- my favorite, I'll tell you, my favorite Atari games, there was, I loved Haunted House. Oh, yeah. Haunted House was a lot of fun. Um, I loved, jeez, um, uh, um, I'm, you, you know what, you know what game, you know what game I actually uh, really loved? Their Ms. Pac-Man was excellent. Oh, yeah, actually, it was actually a lot better than the regular Pac-Man, yeah. Yes, and the Baby Pac, or Junior Pac-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was difficult because that was the one that was on two screens. I don't. I think. I think. I rarely ever completed one screen because the ghosts were so fast 
and so crazy on that. Um, they had three pinball games. The third one, I, I think, was called Midnight Madness, mm. and that one was awesome. <laughs> that actually had a bit where, like, if you went in a certain spot, you'd go in another screen. And that one was cool. And one of their absolute worst games that I still love playing today was their miniature golf. Mm, mm-hmm. Their miniature golf was one of the first games they discontinued because it was so bad. Because it's so bo- – it was just a, a, a what looks like sort of like a guy with a stick. That's That was their golf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Miniature golf, miniature golf isn't even that. Miniature golf is you're on a screen with a bunch of different lines and things, which are the, you know, obstacles, and you are a dot, and there's a smaller yeah. dot. Yes. And the dot, you're the dot, that's the golfer, the smaller dot is the golf ball, and there's a hole on the other side of the screen, and there are a bunch of obstacles in the way, and there's like a big moving square somewhere on the screen that you have to get past. And for some <laughs> reason, I've, the game is absolutely awful graphics-wise and setup-wise and everything-wise, but it's it's actually rather challenging if you actually <laughs> forget what it is. And you just kind of, you know, this is no way miniature golf. But if you actually kind of work with it, it there there are eight different configurations, and it's kind of fun. But... um but yeah, that's I'm I'm gonna stop there because I realize I could. <laughs> this is this isn't about home video, but but we got a little bit of that in because that's where I played it more. But let's um, so so I guess so we're at the end. Do you have anything else to say about video game all stars? Um, uh, I, honestly, I. I I have to say I kind of wish there were some more episodes because so I, I I kind of would like to see how this bizarre thing evolved. Um, yeah. you know, I mean to go from. The first guy that looked kind of like a, a you know a, a, a non-tendered college professor, <laughs> you know, hosting the show, and then you know your, your your serial killer guy in the second one, and then like the by the third one you've got three hosts, one of whom is a puppet, and <laughs> and, and it's just what what is happening? How how far can this go? And I, yeah, I kind of exactly. would love to see it. Um, you know what? Uh, my favorite, since you named your favorite video games, my or home games, I, my favorite was always Pitfall. Oh, Pitfall's fantastic, and Pitfall Two. And Pitfall Two, really wonderful. They both yeah. for for, a, for an Atari twenty six hundred, the graphics were pretty decent, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just fun to play, and you could reach the end. Although reaching the end really meant nothing. Yeah, which just, I did met multiple ended, times, yeah. and you just basically it ends with you. Well, now you're in the jungle by yourself. There's literally nothing else there. Yes, you mm-hmm. can just kind of run around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. I, as far as the show goes, um, it's more than anything else. It's like if you want to show, if you're somebody with kids, you want to show what it was like for mommy and daddy. When, uh, they, when they were uh, teenagers, this is what yes. I did instead of staring mm-hmm. at my phone. Yeah. Uh, I did this. I hung out and looked at a yeah. giant phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, like if you, if you're if yeah if you're a grown up now and you look at kids and you and you and they confuse you, watch this and you'll remember when you were a kid and you confused adults. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's kind of what it is. And if you're Jeff Valdez or Big Daddy Video. Oh God. You're always awesome. <laughs> I, th- I think I think the thing, and I'll just stop here. The thing with that that mom and the little kid, <laughs> yeah, 
is that the way they shoot it is the mom and the little kid, they're like standing in like an archway or something. And Jeff is like 20 feet away from them. And they're slowly <laughs> approaching the mom and the kid. So it looks like mom, mom is getting more and more terrified with yeah. each step. And it's just weird the way they shoot it. Yeah, you know? she she looks like, you know, uh, um, someone in a hostage video or something. Yes, exactly. She looks absolutely terrified uh, of, of what's happening. Yes, yes. <laughs> And the kid, like I said, and, and, you know, not, not insulting the child, but he is literally – he looks like a – you know, probably like a two – one to two-year-old toddler, but he's like three feet tall. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I was like, what? Is this just like the highest percentile toddler of all time or what? Yeah. The kid never says one word. No, he does. He does it. So, do you like video games? Gah. Yeah, he just sits. Uh, uh, we prefer our son to have less passive entertainment. That's why you're dragging him around the mall parking lot. Yeah, that's why I read my child catcher in the <laughs> rye every night for bed. Uh, 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 so, so pretending that this this is not a communist plot. Where where are you online, Tim? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, you can find uh, my co-host uh, Kelly Hogaboom and I on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud on Beauty of the Beast and the Bees, our genre mm-hmm. film podcast. And uh, you know, just to give you an idea of some of the stuff that uh, we cover, we um, <laughs> we co- we co- we covered one of our favorite films, which was uh, the first in the Stalked by My Doctor. A series with Eric Roberts. Oh, oh yeah, oh wow. Which, which you know, if you've ever seen uh, the 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 two dentist movies with Corbett uh-huh. Burnson, it's very similar, except for obviously it's made for TV. Mm. Uh, but it's a- absolutely hysterical because Eric Roberts has uh, no f's to give. Yes, and and he is completely unhinged in, in all three <laughs> movies to the point where he's got an alter ego of himself. <laughs> Who wears Hawaiian <laughs> shirts and and shades, and every time and, and like a little like a, 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 a you know Colonel Blake fishing cap, and and oh, wow. yeah, so he has these delusions where he talks to himself, mm-hmm. and like it's like you know very much a like a Fight Club kind of scenario where like he's like, hey man, loosen up, all you have to do is smother with that pillow, you know, and it's just it's wow. it's absolute dumb genius. That sounds. That sounds. That reminds me. Sounds a bit like the Love Butcher. Yes. The movie, the Love Butcher, with the guy, the bald guy, nerdy guy, and then his suave brother. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, wow. it. It is. It, honestly, I. I rarely have I seen something, uh, just so brilliant. Uh, I gotta see. I gotta see this. Yeah. yeah. It, it's. It's so. It. It takes just the right level of camp, and and, and taking itself just a little oh, too nice. seriously. Mm-hmm. Where it, it's hysterical, and they've made three of these things. Wow! And I, I keep telling Kelly we've got to do the other two uh-huh. because they are—they're pure gold. Uh, after after all this uh, video game talk and all this, I feel like just—I feel like taking a nap. <laughs> I, I just ate a big Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, that's what kind of what it feels like. But it it, it was nice to um, it was nice to chat video game all stars with you. You know, they weren't as epic as the previous shows we chatted. <laughs> yes. But, uh, hopefully, you know, maybe I can find something else of a similar vein that we can chat about sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally down for that. All right. So um, so on behalf of Tim, uh, Jeff, 
uh, Big Daddy Video and myself. <laughs> I wish you well and um, uh, uh, keep keep playing those video games. All stars. Hey everyone, it's Dan, and this episode is over. I'm kidding. I'll say goodbye. Uh, this is uh, episode 146. Next time we will have a brand new old show starting up. And one day Tim S. Turner will be back. Will be back. Let's see. Where can you find us online? Addy Supertrain 1 over on Twitter. Uh, Venture Supertrain on Facebook. You can email me at dannyslacks, yahoo.com. And uh, that's about it, really. Eventuallysupertrain.blogspot.com is the... Um, is the site and uh, thank you everyone for listening yeah Lucan continues as I said at the start Gemini Man continues no more video games for now sort of actually the next show we're starting has a sequence in the beginning which is um kind of video game ask but we'll get to that when we get to that be good to yourselves everyone and listen to this mm-hmm.